following is a presentation of Learfield IMG College. From the Georgia Southern Sports Network, powered by Learfield IMG College. Wings up, Eagle Nation! Touchdown, Georgia Southern! This is Inside Eagle Nation, your all-access look into Eagle Athletics. Take a look through all the other action in Georgia Southern Athletics this past week. A lot of road action, a lot of teams hitting the old I-16 out of town. Getting on the steel horse and taking us to parts north, south, west, wherever. Can't really go too much farther east. Now let's return to the Learfield IMG College studios. Here are your hosts, Colin Lacey and Danny Reed. That's a fact, Jack. Welcome into another edition of Inside Eagle Nation, episode number 89 now in the series. Took a couple of months off, but for the most part, I've been going for just about two years now, isn't that right? And part of me wants to say this is episode number three, but yeah, this would be 89 overall. Yeah, no, 89 sounds a lot more impressive. Almost two years now. That's crazy. Because this would have started right before the 18 season. Yeah. That's crazy. And the first episode that we did in our booth over at Paulson. We did. There have been many of... Really and truly, there's only been a couple of different sites for the Inside Eagle Nation podcast. Done a couple from J.I. Clements. Mm-hmm. Done a couple from Paulson. Yeah. Done a couple from here in the Learfield Studios. The one at Clemson. Yeah. There's been a couple of times where we've been in a couple of different locations trying to navigate and ping some kind of satellite somewhere but anyway but welcome into this week's edition of inside eagle nation as always presented by our good friends at arcola septic arcola septic is your premier septic services provider to bullock Bryan, and adjoining counties and a great family owned business that's run by a pair of georgia southern alumni make sure to give them a call at 912-318-7939 or visit them online at arcolaseptic.com for both commercial and residential customers, their more than 10 years of experience can help you out with pumping and servicing your septic system, drain field repairs, new system installation, and all of your septic needs. Remember to follow them on Facebook, Arcola Septic, yesterday's Meals on Wheels. Now, we- you got excited there for a minute, and, but I had to finish my Arcola Septic read. I've gotten real happy about being able to say that every week again. You've gotten really good at it. I, I appreciate it. I think I can say it in my sleep. Some would say I do. Anyway, you got excited for a second. We've done two episodes from your truck, because somehow that became a studio. <laughs> That's right. What was it? Going to... Where were we going? I think one was going to Coastal, the other was coming home from Coastal in different years. That's right. Or it was different sports. Because it, it gets... Yeah, it all starts to kind of run together. And I like to think that we're trendsetters, to a degree, not too long after that. Brant and Bill, down at Texas State, our good friends. Their podcast for txstbobcats.com. They did theirs from a road trip. You got to do what you got to do. And that's what a lot of people don't kind of realize of the uh, the life on the road is not necessarily always the most glamorous. But it's a lot of fun, and you get a lot of good stories from it. That's why we get to do this. When you're employed and you have a chance to do a podcast, we get to tell those stories. It's beautiful. But you look at a couple of news notes coming out of Georgia Southern Athletics over the last couple of days. One thing that 
you saw on gseagles.com last week, and Aaron Soka did a great job putting this out to help promote the women's soccer program, but Brogan Brudreau wrote a letter about her summer internship with Northrop Grumman, who is a government contractor. She is a mechanical engineering major, and over the summer is getting hands-on experience, first world hands-on experience of what she could be doing a couple years down the road. Now, it does force her to miss a little bit of soccer, but at the end of the day, like everybody says and we say all the time on the podcast, student-athlete, there's a reason student was first. But if you haven't gone to gseagles.com to see this, she wrote a letter about her experiences and what it was like being able to get the hands-on experience. It was absolutely incredibly well done. Again, Aaron Soka doing a lot of the front work and back work. Brogan is the one that wrote the letter, but Soka coming up with the idea and being able to put it out on gseagles.com. And those are the kind of things that we, number one, love to see, and number two, love to talk about. These student-athletes are here to set themselves up for their future, and when they can do something towards that future and be able to talk about it in a way that makes them better people and better professionals, then that's something we really enjoy sharing. Georgia Southern men's and women's tennis, both earning the ITA All-Academic Awards. All 13 Georgia Southern tennis players, both men's and women's, were honored as ITA Scholar-Athletes. As far as the teams are concerned, you've got to stay above a 3.2 GPA to be named ITA All-Academic, and Georgia Southern passed that with flying colors as the women's tennis team finishing with a 3.60 GPA. Georgia Southern men's tennis finishing with a 3.63 GPA. As far as the individuals are concerned, again, every Georgia Southern tennis player, both men's and women's, earned the ITA Scholar Athlete, and that is making sure that you stay above a 3.5 GPA. If you're an Eagle, you better pass with flying colors. Uh, good point. It, I didn't it, even it think makes, about that. It makes way too much sense. Yeah, I didn't even put two and two together there. Probably why I wasn't an ITA scholar <laughs> athlete. <laughs> Coming out yesterday, if you're listening to this on time on Tuesday, Monday, Ryan Langan getting a little bit more pub as he was named to the Patrick Manley Award watch list, the best long snapper in the FBS. Well, a couple of years before, it was the Mortel Award for the best holder. I think former punter Matt Flynn was up for that. And I think, look, it's this is selfish just because it's Georgia Southern's long snapper. He's been the everyday guy for three years, and there's not a whole lot of places nationally that can say that somebody has had every long snap for three consecutive years and hopefully knock on wood for four straight years. No, and you look at it, and we've talked about it before, how, and a lot of it too is because in years past, before Langan got here, the long snapping sometimes was a touchy subject, but ever since Langan has gotten here... I can't really think of, I can't pinpoint a long snap that has gone astray. I'm sure there's been a couple of them, but it's not something that really comes to mind. Terry on broadcast has talked about Stan Stipe before from Waycross. Maybe the first great Georgia Southern long snapper. He's had a very special relationship with him. Carter Jones more recently was a four-year guy at Occoquan County High School. Very recently, think about Jake Banta transferring in from UAB. But since Langan stepped on campus after a chance hookup with Coach Lunsford, he's been the guy. And even though he has done so much good for his position, 
the one thing that he will bring up before anything else is how he did not recover a muffed punt against Louisiana last year. <laughs> and Terry and I was, oh, he was so close because he was inside the five-yard yeah. line. He wasn't going to score anything. But how many times does he get a chance to touch the football outside of starting the play by touching the football? Right. And, I mean, outside of we say it whenever there's a field goal or a punt, you always say, laying it to snap it, so-and-so to hold it, so-and-so to kick it. So he gets a little bit of publicity every time that he gets on the field with us, but I'd imagine there's not a whole lot of other broadcasts that necessarily bring up the long snapper, and part of it is because Terry is so fond of specialists. Well, Laggett's a great dude. Well, helps. right. He, terrific dude. Do you notice he's wearing a different number this year? I didn't. I haven't really dove into the numbers except for the zero, but... <laughs> Which we talked about last week. Yeah, I haven't really gotten that deep into it. I'm still on page like three or four of Phil Steele. All right. The first three years, he wore 82, which mm -hmm. a little bit different for a long snapper. He's wearing 27 this year. And all you have to make sure is that he and Kendrick Duncan are not on the field at the same time. Is he trying to go the Ryan Frederick route and be here for about four more years? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason, though, why he switched to 27, and hopefully we get a chance to go a lot deeper into this story. But we've talked before, he's a native of Cedar Rapids, Nebraska, and once you cross the state line, everything is Cornhusker football. I mean, he had a chance to walk on at Nebraska, but that chance encounter with Coach Lunsford, knowing that Georgia Southern needed a long snapper, he came here. Summer of four years ago, Nebraska had a punter by the name of Sam Fultz, or 27, mm -hmm. and he was at a kicking camp. And he was with a former Michigan State kicker. There was a, another kicker in the car used to be at LSU, and they were in a car crash. The Michigan State kicker passed away. Sam Fultz passed away. The first opportunity that Nebraska had for the 2016 season when they went into punt formation, 10 guys took the field. They did not line up with a punter. Really, huh. really emotional moment, and... I think I've said before, I grew up as in part a Nebraska football fan, so I understand what that meant to them and just how much that hurt that community that he was going to be because such, he was very important to them and part of the program that they've developed. Those two families, the Foltzes and the Langans, don't live too far from each other. And it was always Ryan's goal that if he got the opportunity, he wanted to wear Sam's number. And now huh. that he has this chance his last year... He's wearing 27, honor Sam. And I hope we can go, there's a lot more to it than that, but that at least is the CNN version of why he's been switching his number. And that, Eagle Nation, is what you call a tease. So stay tuned. If we can get him to talk about that. Oh, I'm sure we could get him to talk. Oh, yeah, I'm not worried about that. <laughs> and whether this is a an addition of Inside Georgia Southern Football that you're going to hear on the network or watch on Facebook Live this year, whether we get a chance to get him for the podcast, that's one that we can really develop more. But that's that gives you an idea of why the numbers switch. So you're just you're not fooling yourself by thinking, okay, that's not Kendrick Duncan out there. He does not log snap. That's our dude lying out there that's coming back for his fourth year. Moving right along is Georgia Southern Baseball getting a little bit of pub over the weekend. Sam Howard, now this one's kind of near and dear to Danny's heart. Sam Howard, who pitched here at Georgia Southern for a couple of years, was on the taxi squad on Friday. Now this year with Major League Baseball, with the all the different restrictions due to COVID-19, Major League Baseball has a taxi squad of three players that when the team goes on the road, they have these three players that travel with them in addition to the 
30 that will get cut down a little bit later in a couple of weeks. Supposedly. But the 30-man roster, you have travel with 33, three of them on a taxi squad. They're not on your active roster, but they're there if you need them. Well, because of two injuries to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Among others. On, on Saturday. <laughs> Don't dig too deep. I'm going to start really getting yeah, no. upset here. <laughs> we got to tread lightly here. <laughs> Sam gets called up Sunday as the Pirates and the Chicago Cubs are battling for the NL Central. Well, you get into a delay late in the game, tied 1-1. In the ninth inning, Sam Howard comes on to pitch. Pitches a scoreless ninth inning. You go to the 10th. Again, another rule in Major League Baseball that we may or may not talk about later on in Inside Eagle Nation. I don't know that we have time for that. But new rule this year for Major League Baseball, in extra innings, you put a runner at second base to start the inning. So a lot like softball. The Pirates did not score in the top half of the 10th inning. No, they didn't. Call we're them. not going to go there. I, I Just mm. setting everything up. We're still tied 1-1. <laughs> Bottom of the 10th, you start with somebody out at second base. First batter that Sam faces in the 10th, he walks him. So you have runners on first and second, nobody out in the 10th. Two back-to-back strikeouts on dirty sliders down and in to the righties. Get the first two outs. Then you get a pop-out to Bell over at first base. You work a scoreless 10th inning. Now, the Cubs would go on to win that one with a walk-off. I think it was a single up yep. the middle yep, in bias. the 11th. Yep. It was not off Sam, so Sam doesn't get the loss. Correct. But that's a heck of a way. And I was talking with Stacy Sykes a little bit during that game. He goes, well, if that's how you want to stick on a roster, that's a good way to start it. <laughs> what gets lost is that Sam has actually been a Pirate since late last year. So that was his debut with Pittsburgh. And we had talked before he was on the Rockies. He was a third-round pick. He had made his debut a couple of years ago. And in a situation like that, you pitch that well, and the Pirates are already down five relievers. They're supposed to get their closer back here relatively soon. But for Sam to do that in that situation, that's how you earn a spot. Now, at the moment, within the next week or so, rosters are going to get pared down, active rosters from 30 to 28 and then to 26. But with as fickle as things have been so far and with the Marlins having to shut down, with the Cardinals having to shut down, there's a thought that that roster minimization won't happen. So maybe Sam doesn't have anything to worry about, but if he continues to pitch like that, he won't have anything to worry about. A lot, lot of pride, though. As soon as it happened, texted Rodney Hannon, texted B.J. Green. Just so great to see him. That's what we were... I can't remember how this came up. Because normally when guys get put on the taxi squad, it's not necessarily fully publicized you don't get tweets and everything that says so and so's on the taxi squad yeah i just happened to be looking at the pirates roster for whatever reason and aaron soka and i looked at each other like whoa, whoa, whoa sam's on the taxi squad and then lo and behold come sunday not like the jimmy buffett song come monday <laughs> but come sunday he's on the active roster and here you go one one in a Division game in the ninth inning. And Go so, for it. so many times when, rel- especially relievers, when they get added to an active roster, the odds are they're going to pitch that day because you're not up just to 
sit there with a coat on. If you're there, you're there to fill a spot with as many injuries as the Pirates have had. I know a lot of you listening aren't too in tune with Pittsburgh's bullpen, but with their situation, they needed somebody that was healthy that could throw the ball 60 feet 6 inches, and Sam did that for six outs without giving up a run. So congratulations to Sam Howard talking with Stacy Sykes. He had talked to Sam a couple of times over the weekend and said that Sam is locked in and Sam is on a mission and only how Sam Howard can be. Ask Florida State. Yeah, if Pittsburgh gets a chance to learn more about Sam Howard, the story of that Florida State game should be one of the first things that they hear about. But congratulations to Sam Howard. Hope to see him in the Pittsburgh uniform a lot more in the next couple of weeks and months, hopefully. But that will wrap up all the news and notes that we've had over the past week we'll yeah. <laughs> dive into some of the news and notes coming around the country yeah it's going to get in it's our been, final it, segment it's been really interesting the last week and i anticipate it's going to get even more interesting as we get closer and closer to whatever time kickoff is you are not joking but for now let's step into eagle tales with roger inman time now for eagle tales with danny reed and roger inman Roger, you've been here a long, long time. What has kept you in Statesboro? One who will remember that I've got people buried. I know where all the bones are. They try to leave me alone, and uh, <laughs> I laugh at it. But, uh, you know, I've been at uh, this place since 1977. I've gone through a lot of very, very good people. I hope I can stay here another three and a half to four years. I don't know what day I want to uh hang it up but hell it's still fun you show up as long as you got comedians like yourselves terry harvin uh, of course he's not as good as comedians he used to be or he thinks he is but uh, as long as you got people who can make people laugh you can in your cases danny y'all can help sell commercials but right now we got to get a product back on the market that we can sell the commercials for roger we appreciate it now let's go to colin lacy with this week's beyond the bio time now for beyond the bio with colin lacy Welcome back on this week's edition of Beyond the Bio here on Inside Eagle Nation, your official podcast for Georgia Southern Athletics. Stepping into one of the newest Eagles office today is Eric Reasoner, the Senior Associate Athletic Director for Development. Eric, appreciate you joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Take us through what the transition has been like to Statesboro. I know you and I were talking about it's been a crazy couple of weeks for you and your family making the transition to Statesboro. Yeah, I've actually, uh, the family's still back in Gainesville, so they haven't made the transition yet, but hopefully here in the next month. Um, it has been crazy with COVID on top of everything else, but I'm two and a half weeks in, and uh, we've been making a lot of changes and getting things going, so it's been fun. Now, you grew up in Ohio. What kind of made you point your direction toward athletics and realize that was something that you wanted to do as a career? I actually started out as a computer engineering major. And then I think I was a math major at one point, so I bounced around a lot. And the way that it actually happened was there was a um, SWA, or Senior Women's Administrator, at Ohio State when I started there that she talked about her job, and a lot of her job was going to sports and dealing with student-athletes, and it just sounded cool. So I, I wanted to get into that and started looking at different areas within the sports sector. College athletics seemed the best to me, so started interning in compliance and then found out fundraising is what I like, so kind of went from there. What's the biggest thing going out and fundraising? What's the biggest thing that kind of draws you to that love? Uh, the people we get to meet and the, the professions that I get to hear. My, one of my favorite things is when I first meet somebody and hear what they do, I really like to um, d dive into what they do and learn all the details because there's some things, I mean, I knew somebody once that 
created the little holder on the the billfold that you get at the end of a, a dinner so that he gets royalties off that and you never think about somebody that invented that and how that could be something so I, i've met that anyway i've met a lot of different people that have different professions and it's really cool to hear things that you would never think about that are necessary to us and that somebody's doing behind the scenes You've had a couple of different stops in your tenure and been really at kind of all levels in Division One athletics, been at Auburn and Florida, and then also at mid and low major schools like Stetson and Tulane. What's the biggest takeaway that you get from kind of seeing all different sides of the spectrum? That every level has passionate fans, that the fans differ depending on where you are. Um as far as demographics and passion, which I'm really excited about Georgia Southern because this is probably one of the more passionate fan bases I've been around. Um, but, yeah, it's really just the passion of the fans is one of my biggest takeaways is it doesn't matter where you are, people love the school. Everybody talks about different coaches bringing in their new coaching style. What's kind of your new style as far as development goes and trying to lead Georgia Southern Athletics? I'd say my style is having fun and raising money while doing it. So uh, really, we, we're working on a culture here where we have fun and we enjoy being around each other in the office. Um, I, I've worked at places where people come back from vacation and they say that they hate they were on vacation because they missed the office. So we're hoping to have that kind of atmosphere here and really getting our alumni involved and have the same atmosphere with them where they want to be around us. Uh, we all have fun together and we raise a lot of money for Georgia Southern and create more support while we're doing it now we talked about it earlier it's been a crazy couple of weeks for you transitioning into Statesboro what are some of the things that you look for the next couple of weeks and months that are some of the first things that you want to implement we've already started doing a lot of things so I've started meeting people around Statesboro which is which is great and then we've started doing really little things for example the website uh, if you would have gone to jesseagles.com didn't have a give button anywhere on it so now if you go in the top right not really corner, but on the menu bar, there's a button to give. And on the right side where there were social media icons, now there's an icon with a dollar sign so that you can give. So we're trying to make it easier to give. Um, that, that's been one of the first priorities. And we've got give.gseagles.com where we used to have gseagles.com slash foundation, which would have five or six clicks before you could actually give. So kind of with the Amazon uh, method of thinking, we're trying to cut friction points. And now if you go to give.gseagles.com, after you enter your info, you've got one click and you're done. So we're trying to make that really easy. And that's really been the focus is right now making it easy for people to give, uh, taking away any barriers there are. And then soon I think we're going to look at expanding the circle as well because I actually I was looking at our top 300 donors and 45% of them are in Statesboro or in the surrounding areas, not including Savannah. So um, we've really been focused on Statesboro, and Statesboro has supported us a ton, which is amazing. So that's what we're doing right now is figuring out um, how we can increase the base. So as I said, we've been I've been going around Statesboro talking to um, our, our different supporters. I've been in Claxton, kind of the areas around here, but we also need to figure out how we can get outside of our two-hour radius that really comes to all the games. When you look at Georgia Southern, you talked about the passionate fan base already, but what were some of the first impressions whenever you thought that coming to Georgia Southern might be a possibility? 
uh, first impression was the passionate passionate fan base actually so um, when I first started looking at it I was talking to Jared and uh, he has a reputation throughout the country as being an up-and-comer so I was really excited about the possibility of working with him and once we talked he talked about the opportunity that we have here the potential of Georgia Southern and again the passionate fans so here's a uh, a little tidbit, I guess. My wife actually, her one of her best friends married a Georgia Southern grad, and they live in Nashville. So we called them up and said, hey, what are your thoughts on Georgia Southern athletics? And Jared is the husband, and he said that he watches games every single Saturday, and he's in Nashville. So I, I've been at some schools where I could probably count on one hand how many people I know that lived in a place as far away as Nashville and watched every single game. So that that was kind of part of it. And then I also looked at like Twitter followers just to see how passionate the fan base is there. And I, I'm using the word passionate a lot, but I think we were at like 45,000 followers for George Southern Athletics. So I looked at Tulane just because I've been there. It's a reference point. And I think they had 20,000. So to, to see that large of a gap really told me that that we've got a great fan base and that people really care finally before we let you go give us something beyond your bio since that's the name of the segment something that people seeing you going out and fundraising people may not know something beyond your bio well i talked earlier about being a computer engineering major and a math major among many others so uh, i really have an interest in math and science which is um i don't want to be nerdy but uh like when i read i i make sure it's always non-fiction and i want to learn so i've been doing a lot of behavioral science reading and then I, I also like to get into some of the newer math and science series but um i'm always trying to to grow my mind and I think that's part of why I like to see what people do and learn about what they do is I, I just like to learn so that's that's probably something beyond the bio all right what's the best book that you've read um recently I actually read a pretty good one by Ray Dalio it's called principles and he for people that don't know him he's uh the head of one of the largest hedge funds and principles is about his leadership style and normally i don't like leadership books and i don't read leadership books but uh he's been really successful so i figured i would and he talks about radical transparency and radical honesty and it's it's really interesting to see how his company works um they never have closed door meetings anybody can be in a meeting and the way he solicits feedback from his employees. It's just a really cool book. Eric, appreciate the time. Thank you for everything you've already done for Georgia Southern Athletics and can't wait to see what's along the horizon. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Once again, that is Eric Reasoner, the new Senior Associate Athletic Director for Development, also the Sport Oversight for Baseball. So he and head coach Rodney Hennon going to be getting pretty well acquainted over the next couple of weeks and months. And Somebody that I would want to learn from. Yeah, right. Eric is a guy that he and I were talking after we recorded the interview He's a big baseball guy. He's a Cincinnati Reds fan. I told him that we weren't going to hold that too much against him. But another baseball guy. Did you get any thoughts on Marty Brenneman? Did, I, you, did you tell him that you I, met Marty? I did tell him that at Georgia Southern Day last year that we uh, that I got to meet Marty Brenneman. And he was pretty excited about it, too. Not as excited as I was, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> he knows you, but he doesn't know you that well. Right. <laughs> but welcome to Eagle Nation, Eric, and expecting a lot of big things from a guy that we were talking, he is responsible down at Florida for the largest gift ever given by an athlete that is still currently playing. Any idea who it was? I didn't. I should have, but I didn't. That is still playing. 
As he we got, sit here on this Tuesday, who is still playing? He got the largest gift to the University of Florida from a player that is still currently playing. And yes, he is still currently playing today. I was going to say Tim Tebow, but no, I think that'll work. I had forgotten this guy even went to Florida. I will be amazed if you get this. Give me the sport. Baseball. Pete Alonzo. No. Ah. He did talk about they went down to Miami for a game. I guess it was last year because it was right after Pete Alonzo had won the batting title and got to hang out with him. He said that was pretty cool. Who so was I got to imagine so. Darren O'Day. Oh, I would not have. I, I didn't even know he went to Florida. That's what I didn't either. That's wild. Yeah. So, expecting big things from Eric. And he is somebody that we talked about it with Jared Benko a couple of weeks ago. He is somebody that came very highly recommended by Scott Strickland, who Jared worked for at Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. But welcome to Eagle Nation once again. And in a time that is a little bit uncertain, my clock still says 31 days. And it will continue to say 31 days until, again, somebody tells me to change it. So we can safely say we start in a month. Sure. We can say it. I don't know if it's right or not. Yeah, by the time that we say our next word, it might be wrong. But the way we look at it, there's still a game that needs to be played on September the 5th out in Boise, Idaho. So there were a couple of developments since we spoke last. You had the SEC. <laughs> I know I say this like a fireside conversation. Well, you had, okay, apparently Murder Hornets came back. Did you what? see that? You remember those from a few weeks and months ago, the Murder Hornets? No. Okay. Chinese seeds. The Rock owns part of the XFL now. I did see that. And everything else that's happened from a college athletic standpoint, not necessarily football, even though that's the focus. So... As of right now, because of the... And a hurricane. Um, well, right. That's just that, too. Just because. Welcome to 2020, folks. Yeah. But b- based on the developments that came out last week, the SEC is saying that they are playing a 10-game conference-only schedule. The ACC is saying that they are playing a 10-game conference schedule and one non-conference game. The schedules are being pushed back a couple of weeks. I think the SEC said they were starting the 26th of September. Okay, here's the layers of it. The ACC is going to start the week of the 7th of September for all sports, which means that football starts on the 12th. That's the same weekend that the NFL is supposed to start. The SEC is going two weeks later on the 26th. The idea behind that, they give themselves, naturally, some more time, but they also want to see how the NFL does over its first two weekends to see what kind of hang-ups or if there's some success that the NFL can have with the way that they're doing it. So because of that and the way it affects Georgia Southern, other than just trying to get more clarity on the college football world as a whole, because the SEC has said that the 10-game conference-only schedule, Georgia Southern will not be playing Ole Miss in the second-to-last game of the season this year. It was something that was probably coming. You probably saw it coming the last couple of weeks, but it is official that Georgia Southern will not be playing Ole Miss. So at as the of moment, right, now this right year. at the moment, November the twenty-first is an open date in between the home game against Texas State, which would be Senior Day, and the regular season finale up in Atlanta against them. But as of right now, again, as we sit here, August the fourth, 
at whatever time you're listening to this. Well, as long as you're listening to it in the morning, because once we put it out, we don't know what's coming up next. But as of the morning of August the 4th, Georgia Southern still has the other three non-conference games still in play. And there really isn't a finite word from the Sunbelt Conference. We know that there's been meetings. We Mm -hmm. know there's been conference calls of trying to get to that decision. And hopefully it's coming in the next couple of days or week. But no official announcement has been made as of yet. And you can liken that to word that has been reported from people in the American and Conference USA. Conference USA meaningful to the Eagles because of the game against Florida Atlantic. There has been talk of them maintaining their conference schedules and then getting whatever non-conference they can. But nothing is official until it comes out from the league or a league representative you still have to operate that things are as is. And for the Sun Belt, if you've lost a game against a team whose conference has nixed football or a team that has nixed football for the fall, you could be in a situation like a Troy or an Arkansas State that only has 10 games. You could be like a Georgia Southern that has 11 games or you could be like a Texas State, which still has its 12-game schedule intact, even though they did move up their opening game against SMU to the Week 0, August 29th, which can buy them some time if they need to move it back. So it could end up being that it's on the same date, but they had to get a special waiver from the conference in order to do that. And that's one of many, many things you're going to hear reported over the next three, four weeks and probably beyond that. That's not even talking about the further impact that COVID-19 is going to have on how the season develops. And you bring up the further development, and a lot of people think that, especially in the SEC and ACC's case of them announcing what they did that we already talked about, that's not necessarily set in stone. Yeah. And a lot of what the Sunbelt Conference could be putting out in the next days or week, whatever it is, that's not set in stone. And really and truly, once games start, if games do start when they say they are now, it's still not set in stone. Right. You've seen so many different things, whether it be Major League Baseball. We talked about it a little bit earlier where the Marlins and the Cardinals have shut down the last week or so. Nothing is set in stone. So just because the Sunbelt Conference comes out and announces what they might, or the SEC comes out and says they're playing a 10-game conference schedule, it's not set in stone that they're playing that 10-game conference schedule. That's what they're planning for right now, but that's still up for debate. It's good to have something positive, and really it's good to hear anything, because we've we've all had to sit on our hands, okay, what are we going to hear, what's going to happen, what's going to happen? We've gotten to a point where we need to start hearing things, and great that the ACC has set a schedule They haven't set who they're playing and when yet. The Pac-12 has set its schedule, and they've announced individual matchups with the SEC. They're working on that. But the public health situation may not allow those schedules to still happen. I mean, we have known Georgia Southern's schedule for a long time. The only thing we know for sure is that Ole Miss is not going to be played. At this very second, the Boise State game would be on. But in five minutes, you could get an official report that the Mountain West Conference is going to say, we're going league only. So guess what? September the 5th, gone. So then, okay, there's a home opener against Campbell on the 12th. But if the Big South says, we're not playing football, 
September 19th, Florida Atlantic. Conference USA for right now is saying, okay, we're going to keep our eight league games and then maybe let you get non-conference games, but that's not official. They come out and say something different. They're going conference only. <laughs> then you're on to the start of league play, which may be where we end up anyway, but this is what we know at this point. And that's also to say, if those do come out, and again, nothing has come out that has wiped out Florida Atlantic, Campbell, or Boise State as of yet. Those games are on at this point. But that's not to say if they do get axed that you're not able to pick up another game. That would depend on what the conference says about the ability to reschedule a non-conference game. So there are so many different moving parts, but as of now, Georgia Southern would still be capable of adding another game to replace the Ole Miss game. Sure. It just can't be in the SEC. Correct. And so there's a lot of still moving parts, and hopefully the next week provides a little bit, at least more clarity to the situation, because I have a feeling because the SEC and ACC announcing late last week what they were doing, you're going to see more of the domino effect falling throughout some of the other conferences. And again, the Sunbelt Conference, we know conversations have been had. We know meetings have been had. We just don't know what has come from those meetings as of yet, but hopefully over the next couple of days, that's when the announcement will be made from New Orleans. And if you're an Eagle fan, I know that this has been tossed around a lot the last week, week and a half. There is another school up in Atlanta that has a loud whistle that doesn't play in a baseball stadium that I'm sure that the Eagles would love to play in football this year. Played them in 2016, played them in 2014. I'm sure that you would love to see the Yellow Jackets of Georgia Tech sneak onto that Georgia Southern schedule. But... That's a pipe dream right now. Let, let's not go crazy just because at this point Tech may need a game and, hey, Georgia Southern has an opening. Things need to develop a lot more before we even think that's a real possibility. Right now there's a chance, but there's a chance of a lot of things. Yeah. So, again, hopefully over the next couple of days we will have more that we can report. But, again, as of right now we're still kind of in the holding pattern of we don't have anything new to report. We've got a couple of – news last week from other conferences but as it specifically impacts georgia southern outside of the old miss game not happening this year that's all we have and the start of fall camp is still a go as of now for this friday the 7th which was the date that the ncaa set out as a guideline for this different version of preparedness for a 2020 football season finally moving past those mandatory workouts and the enhanced conditioning getting to a point where you can actually go full pads but that's almost becoming hour by hour now, not even day by day. It's almost an hour by hour deal. And so, again, there are conversations that were had. There are conversations that are scheduled to be had this week. So hopefully over the next couple of days, there is more clarity for this situation. But as of now, my clock still says 31 days until boot meets ball. There is nothing more that we would like to do than to preview some Georgia Southern football some position groups, some outlooks. But until things are a little bit more firm, it's not sensible to do that. Because we could spend the next 15 minutes talking about Georgia Southern's situation at running back, which would be a great conversation because there's a lot of good stories there. But if we find out soon that the season gets axed, which it very well could, and Georgia Southern could also play 11 games, or it could find that 12 game if news comes out that the league allows it, and they find somebody. Many different things could happen. 
you're almost getting to a point where dice are going to be rolled. But we're going to tell you what those numbers are on the dice whenever we can do it. What's your lucky number on a dice? One through six. What you got? Do what you number do I want? Yeah. Probably four. Why? It just looks right. Okay. Because to me, the Very one... Very symmetrical. I got you. Okay. Just, I think it looks the best. I mean, the three is a diagonal. The two, it's got its own little deal. The one's just kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Snake but eyes. With the four, every corner's covered. The five is nice and cute with the X and all that. The, the six just looks too crowded. Yeah. I like five. There, there's just too many people in the car with six. Yeah. I go with five. It's a little... It's very symmetrical, but it's also a little bit out there. Why are we talking about our favorite <laughs> number on a dice? What's going on? You never know what you're going to hear on Inside Eagle Nation. <laughs> I don't know if that means we've hit a state of delusion or what that means. If you're ready for delusion, I'd want to tune in the next few weeks <laughs> because you may get that full on. But yeah, we're we're preparing for it just like you hopefully are. And as soon as we get word, you're going to hear about it. We'll be able to talk about it in some detail for our next episode, but just make sure you're keeping your eyes and ears open regarding the possibility of a fall schedule. And specifically keeping your eyes and ears towards the official accounts, because there's probably going to be a lot yes. of things that get thrown out from this so-called expert with a blue check, this so-called expert mm-hmm. with a blue check, but until something comes from either the Sunbelt Conference office or a Georgia Southern athletic account, that is what you need to really put a lot of weight in. Everything else, you can kind of take it worth a grain of salt now. We even heard a couple of things yesterday that that was the day of the president and chancellor's meeting in the Sun Belt. But if it doesn't come specifically from a league-sponsored account or doesn't come out in some kind of news release, then there is no word and things are still as they are. We will keep our eyes and ears open and hope you do the same as we go forward, hopefully towards a 2020 college football schedule and college athletic schedule coming up the next couple of weeks. But until next week, for the voice of the Eagles, Danny Reed, this is Colin Lacey saying so long, everybody. You've been listening to Inside Eagle Nation, powered by Learfield, the official podcast of Georgia Southern Athletics. 